Good morning, vendors and non-vendors alike, and welcome to the Republic City Dispatch, a radio program covering Nick.com's Legend of Korra series. This week, Team Avatar reunites to save Prince Wu, except Bolin and Beric, who make a daring escape from the kingdom of the Great Uniter, thanks to some quick EMP thinking. Meanwhile, Kuvira finds the Banyan Grove Tree. Who's going to be tough to the showdown? Will it be Matt, Dave, or Devendra? Hello and welcome to Republic City Dispatch. We're here today to talk about Reunion. What number episode is this, Dave? I believe it's seven-ish. Yeah, six. We're, we're, we're well into the series. <laughs> yeah, we're very what? precise on this show. We don't when know what, what number episode it is. When have I known that the answer to that question at the beginning of the show? I don't know. I just <laughs> I was going to catch you off guard and embarrass you. It's part of oh, my, my plan. I, I, I just Prince wooed you, you or something. You you left me alone, and I thought I did a good job without any sort of backup. It's episode seven. There we I go. I thought you See, would touch I the stalled. spirit vine and know all the answers. This is part of your training. I'm brutal. I'm tough. Seven. Um, I'm not tough. I'm Matt Patches, and uh, here with me, as always, Dave Gonzalez, who's been talking. Hello. And Devendra Hardawar. Hello, hello. We do not have a Joanna Robinson at this moment. Maybe she'll pop up. We're, we're not actually sure. Joe down, Joe down. Yeah, we'll reunite with her one day. Um, <laughs> she's off on a spirit journey or something. Uh, but we're here to talk about reunion, and Dave, what happened in this episode? Well, Korra finally gets back to Republic City, where she meets up with Asamo, Asami, Mako, and Prince Wu. Asamo. I just, I just shipped something way old. Um, and is having trouble catching up with her close friends. She accidentally offends Asama, Asami. Man, I'm going to do it over and over again. We're talking like about season Hiroshi. one. I know. And reveals she hadn't been writing to Mako, which sort of makes Mako angry. And then the one time Mako doesn't watch Prince Will go to the bathroom, he's kidnapped by Kuvira supporters who take him to, or trying to take him to Kuvira, which leads in this chase through Republic City and on a train, just like cold times, but you know, with a train. Meanwhile, Bolin and Varric walk out of the Earth Nation forest towards the border of the country where they run across some uh, benders who have been purged from the Earth Kingdom. Turns out Kuvira's taking anybody that's not an earthbender and putting them in her re-education camps. Uh, together, they all attempt to pass through a checkpoint at the border, uh, the border wall. They get saved by Bolin and Varric's quick electrical thinking, and the pair continue to Republic City on a boat with their new cowboy bebop jet, Faraz. <laughs> uh, and then also Kuvira cutting the Banyan Grove tree to harness the ultimate power of uh, the spirit vines. So who thinks Toph will notice? Uh, something tells me that she's going to be on top of that one. I <laughs> she don't just, know, yeah, just she guess. senses a disturbance in the spirit vines. Maybe she's taking a nap. You know, old ladies <laughs> can sleep through anything. What was that? <laughs> and what's a what's a chainsaw? Back in my day, yeah, they have chainsaws. This is we're going full Avatar. The Avatar <laughs> properties are merging with the invasion of once I get uh, unobtainium, maybe that's what they're harvesting from the spirit I'd like vines. to see that crossover actually. It's oh. basically what they had they had helicopters and chainsaws and <laughs> yeah. destroying the like main tree that's And the spirit vine <laughs> is the unobtainium basically. It's starting to blur together and I haven't yeah. watched Avatar in years, but I like As that I was, movie. To go further back as I was saying at the last shot of this uh, episode, if I've learned anything from Fern Gully, you don't cut into the big tree at the center of the forest. <laughs> Yeah, aren't they worried about it, like, exploding? They've seen these spirit vines tapped open and and just shoot bolts of energy out of them. I guess you have to weaponize it. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen when they cut into this tree? Let's back up here, though, 
for yes. a second. Uh, well, first things first, uh, thanks everybody for going on RepublicCityDespatch.com and leaving comments and reblogs and and participating in conversing about these episodes. It's always been great. And just your reminder to go on iTunes if you haven't. Um, subscribe to the podcast if you're listening to this on Tumblr or on SoundCloud or something. Um, and go on iTunes and subscribe. And then leave a rating and a review. It really helps us get the show out there and connect with other Cora fans who are looking for uh, the, the post-show conversation. Now, to... to kickoff reunion at the beginning of this episode um i, I kind of thought and since i wasn't here last week for the battle of zao fu I, I think we all thought it wasn't what we were expecting and it kind of trailed off in the end um cora just disappears she gets scooped up by Janora and opal and taken away and it's a very abrupt ending it's kind of <laughs> weird and to have an episode that kuvir is not really in at all i think stunts the the motion of her takeover it's a little strange narratively but i loved this episode immediately it kind of like dispels everything we just seen it blows past the fact that cora ran away from this battle um and it becomes one of my favorite episodes of the entire series ever now i'm polarizing you because before the show <laughs> you guys slightly disagreed but tell me about what you thought about this episode and maybe to start off kind of juxtaposing it with what we just saw last week hmm. i mean I can, I can understand why you like it so much i th- it's great to see everybody come back together um great to have Pablo like there front and center and not just like on somebody's shoulder in the background or something um <laughs> yeah well i was gonna ask you was yeah. he in this episode can we he was totally there confirm totally people there. are making fun of us in the comments on the website about like oh hey did you notice Pabu in this episode? Yeah. Yes, I love how noticed. people cannot understand the joke. It's a joke. We are trolling you guys. So, you know. <laughs> Pabu ascended. <laughs> I We're, think I actually just... yelled that out loud. Right, like, yes. Right, in the first, the first few shots. I did a lot of yell- yeah, I did a lot of yelling during the first few shots and the last few shots of this episode. <laughs> um, I, I think one of the things that holds us back a little from me, though, is like as soon as we get the reunion, uh, we get the bickering. Like it's it's like, hey, guys, great to see you. Now here's all the resentment I've been holding up for the past three years immediately. Um, it did feel a little bipolar, maybe understandable, given how quickly the episode has to move. Uh, but, you know, it's like I... I it, go, it went straight to one of the worst things that annoyed me about the series was like the internal bickering um, at times, you know, and it happens even between friends. But yeah, it's true to I'm, life, man. Yeah, I don't know. That's uh, it was really no, you quick. shut up, Devendra. It was really quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Oh man, I really I liked the the interpersonal interactions in this episode. I think a little bit more than Devendra, but in terms of action and just uh execution of that action it's definitely one of my favorite episodes yeah. of the series uh i'm i'm, I'm not sure I'm, i could give it you know it's top 10 or top 5 status numerical top status at this point without thinking back over some of the more consequential entries in uh sure. both series mm-hmm. uh but and just in terms of I think we really benefited from going back to Team Avatar as the center, even if that is a bickering Team Avatar, because it I I appreciated not seeing any of Kuvira until the end. <laughs> I think that she's as somebody who is you know trying to figure out what we're supposed to think about Kuvira uh, constantly. Uh, it's much more obvious that she's a villain we should dislike when she just shows up with nefarious plans after we've seen a whole bunch of our good guys. Yeah, if you were ignoring the uh, camps or if you wanted yeah. tangible evidence. If you were ignoring the very clear signs before, <laughs> it's starting to come into view. <laughs> we Dave, just have Dave is America and he has been bombed. He's he's going to war. 
Yep. You're, you're having like the, uh, the Bolin and Varric moment, right? Uh, Kuvira is crazy, guys. Yeah, I'm just not, ignoring I everything the, before. I thought if if, if we had, uh, had our new characters show up and they had learned some new trade skills in the camp, then we would be having a different discussion. But apparently, she's just using it to ethnically cleanse the <laughs> well, earth. You never know. Maybe they do. Maybe they know how to make like shoes now. But yeah. they've also been mistreated in the process. We yeah. don't know what skills they've learned. This could be beneficial. And like if school's really hard, if it's like, like boot camp. Boot camp. They make boots. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. not See? sad or demeaning at all. They concentrate <laughs> on making boots. <laughs> yeah, and they it sucks because it's a lot of yeah. hard work. So they we'll just to create a you know, a class society <laughs> where the lowest people are at the bottom making our boots. That's great. <laughs> Uh, well, it'd be great if we could put them all in the same geographic location, too, because then we could keep track of them. Oh, yeah, exactly. yes, I, I was horribly evil last last week, but <laughs> only now do we know how evil I was. At the time, I was still, I could have possibly been right. P- people, I saw people commenting that they weren't really sure why Kuvira would uh, round up firebenders and waterbenders and put them in these camps. But it seems to make perfect sense to me, like, if you're going to... <laughs> Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me as a dictator type. Um, You know, if you're going to try and take over the world, which is what she... I think, Dave, last week you actually mentioned that Kuvir was starting to look like Fire Lord Ozai in a way. And I think that's the step towards world domination. We're we're seeing the moments that we didn't get to see in the original Avatar series because we jumped 100 years and the war is well underway or the, the campaign... And now we're get, getting to see how someone like Fire Lord or Ozai could actually take over the world. You start putting benders in re-education camps. I don't know. That made sense to me. Yeah. But is that is that the direction it's going? Is she becoming that character? Or is or it you something different? Excluding people who aren't part of your, you know, race or bending type. And it's a great way to unite a whole country. Unite, guys. Uniting is such a powerful and positive force, right? Let's unite against the other. Nothing could possibly go wrong. Yeah, I mean, I think this this is going to be interesting to see how it brings it full circle and talks about the other books as well as, well, hopefully the other books in the whole series, as well as just this chapter. But yeah, the idea that we would end uh, Korra with basically an Ozai, uh, it feels very narratively complete to me as long as they don't fall on their face. But the show doesn't really do that outside of the first four episodes of uh, season two. So I'm looking forward to I don't know, being back at the Banyan tree, and that's also where Aang learned about swamp ending and eventually saw the the, the pig with the wings uh, that would lead him to Toph, that would set off this whole thing that comes back to Korra and Toph at the Banyan tree again, fighting like another Ozai. I'm starting to, that, that, that pattern that I really like about long-form storytelling is starting to emerge, and I'm really enjoying it. That's really interesting that you, like, it's not just long-form in terms of the series in terms of the Korra series, it's long-term or long-form in terms of both mm-hmm. Avatar series. They're somehow in parallel. Do you see them? Like, the, is that emerging for you that Korra is contrasting the arc of? Uh, I think Aang so. In some way. I think there. Well, the book one that was definitely there was a lot of focus on that because we thought it was going to be like this ten episode. Like, what's the next Avatar sort of like? But now that it's developed into its own mythology, I think it's pushing towards the core question of this universe. Which I don't know exactly what that is, but it has mm-hmm. something to do with, uh, you know, can you have people with these magical powers and rulers and people without these magical powers? 
all living in a society that works and doesn't try to conquer itself. Right, and not fighting. Because, I mean, that's Aang's whole journey, right? He spends three seasons training to fight Ozai, and then he doesn't kill him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. And that's basically what Korra is struggling to do with Kuvira, not fight her, despite yeah. her getting her butt kicked every time they encounter I think she's decided to fight her at this point. I think diplomacy has kind of died. So, I don't Does know. Does it? I, I mean, how do you... There's but no more. I mean, her? I still don't know how you do that. It doesn't seem right. Mm-hmm. Like obviously, in World War II, the goal was kill Hitler uh, any way possible, just to kind of end his reign. And, and I don't. I'm not saying kill, but I do think there has to be a fight. Like it has to be physical force at this point because it seems like Hor has spent up her diplomacy. Unless she like, can she like, tried. use spirit vines to kind of suck her. I'm thinking of Ghostbusters, <laughs> yeah, or something like suck her in the the light, and mm-hmm. zap her to the spirit world. Maybe she'll throw Kuvira oh god the name is escaping me but the foggy pit uh-huh. oh yeah what is that called oh we'll have to look the, that up the, the lost memory anyway Some, yeah. someone knows and that is probably railing on us in the comments well, right now speaking of the spirits like and once again world war ii instead of applying the <laughs> metaphor to me what if the spirit world is the waking the sleeping giant because uh, another thing i was thinking is like the spirits seem to be pretty okay with this thing because it's a human problem but there's no way they're gonna like their like main tree getting mm-hmm. that's connected to everything mm. getting getting cut apart, and so this is Princess Mononoke th- coming at us in a way. Right? Yeah. It, it might it might put us in a situation where if Korra has the right people on her team, she doesn't need to kill Kuvira. She just needs to fight. Then, like I don't know, mm-hmm. the spirits will throw her into a tree vine explosion or something weird like that. <laughs> That's in the script, actually. I've looked ahead. <laughs> yeah. Spirit throws uh, Kuvira to a spirit vine explosion. Well, aren't, yeah, aren't you guys wondering why the spirits aren't Doing concerned? Anything? No, or just concerned. Well, they're concerned. They're trying to help Korra, right? The one little huggable no spirit yeah. her, led her to Toph, and they seem to be... But I think the greater spirit world probably has no clue, really, about what's going on. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, Kuvira has never really, until uh, we got uh, Varric's, like, little spirit energy vine thingy, like, she, she nothing she was doing really hit or touched the spirit world. So right. now they're finally getting to that point. But uh, it's funny you bring up Mononoke, because I think uh, the way they, um, who's the voice for the villain there? Uh, it was Lady Eboshi, right? The villain of was it Mini Driver Monarchy. for the yeah? It was Mini Driver, and that like that villain, right? She was uh, quote unquote villain, right? Because really that, good intentions. That movie, yeah, really, and also painted her intentions like she was helping these people, and it just happened to be that progress was really the way to save these particular people, and it kind of hurt the environment, and she she weighed the human cost over like the nature cost or something, and I wish. Uh, Kuvira had that same sort of treatment because I really did feel for Lady Eboshi in that film. Like that is just that's uh, that film just really handles the whole thing where like you know nobody is really a villain yeah. in a way. And this uh, this season of Korra, I think from the beginning made Kuvira a little too villainous for me. I wonder if Kuvira will have that same reaction that Lady Eboshi in Mononoke <laughs> has this look of defeat when this the night crawler emerges right, what, the right. night walker i should say and she's like oh man i have gone way too far i just killed the spirit of the four i killed god and now he is yeah his wrath is upon me in this giant uh monster being and the look well, on I her mean, face i'll never forget seeing that for the first time just mm-hmm. the way she's animated like oh crap that's um, that's the end of that's the end of avatar book one if you recall that is yeah 
Yeah, yeah. So, like, once again, if I would love to see some echoes build to a great themed crescendo in this series, but man, I'm just I'm so excited to not be. I mean, it looks like this this book we spent like our first four episodes on politics just to make sure that we all knew what we were talking about moving forward. But I kind of feel like this is like the hitch on the gear that clicks it back into place, and it's all. It's all going to be so much fun from here on out. Today, today, this was the first week that I really wish that I, I could just power through the rest of the series. Um, you know, they're apparently they- still working on the animation for the finale. I know people were worried about not having like a big battle, but I really feel like we're oh, going man. to go out with a bang now that I thought it might end in Republic City, but after this episode and the big car chase, I think that's what was teased in the trailer. So we're probably going to end. But we're still f- kind of far out, right? We still have a few episodes mm-hmm. to go. I don't know how this ends in the swamp. I mean, we're just halfway do. at this point, so there's still a lot of time. They still have to build the laser cannon out of uh, Zaofu domes. <laughs> just so they can use that sound effect again. Um, I'm glad we all did that just now. Um, <laughs> I keep thinking about the Deku tree, the great Deku tree. Yeah, yeah. Where she cuts in. I just want him to like come alive. I feel like as soon as she cuts into these vines, all the spirits should be like, what? <laughs> and yeah, all the cute little animals should just jump on Kuvira, hug fest, hug her to death, kill her with or kindness. At least, at least she finally found something that Toph loves after basically declaring war on her family. Since, since we're kind of talking about the Kuvira thread of this episode, since she she's not there, but I feel like Bolin and Varric are the thread that keeps her storyline together, or the, at least the Earth, the conquering mm-hmm. of the Earth Kingdom. Um, what, what did you think of, of this storyline, which I think redeems Bolin a little bit? He's, <laughs> his eyes are open. Maybe it's too little too late for people with Bolin. I don't know Bolin, if he needs but... to be redeemed, because uh, honestly, his, all of his actions have just been out of stupidity, right? So... I don't not know. Stupidity. It's, it's not stupidity. Yeah. No, ignorance. no, it is. We've talked about this. We, you were here when we talked about this. I know. Bolin Every episode character. we talk about how stupid Bolin is. But is he stupid or is he just like plain? Is he dense? Mild mannered. Uh, yeah, dense yeah. is better he's than basic. Stupid, he's I think. very basic, right? Wow. Wait, wait. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Go eat what? your uh, your pumpkin spice lattes, Bolin. Yeah. Not not smart. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't mean stupid as an insult. It's just the best word for how Bolin acts and then occasionally He's can ignorant, do great things. Not stupid. Okay. Many words for similar things. Like, it depends on really what you mean. But I do yeah. think uh, Varric was really redeemed. Like, he really needed the redemption because here's the guy who created the uh, thing that will destroy the world. And uh, we've also seen him, you know, be a war profiteer and be terrible to Zuli for so long. And it seems like he's learning. I, I love the moment where he just started carrying Bolin. Like, that the shows active real character growth. Yeah. 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 He, takes, he takes one step and then gets caught in the trap, which I thought was great. <laughs> And then the one time Mako doesn't watch Prince Wu, he gets kidnapped. Yeah, this, is, yeah. this is the episode of like, uh, well, we gave him a try. We let these silly characters try to take care of themselves, and it never works out. And they but like, cannot I, do that. Yeah, the Bolin and Varric pairing is amazing, especially from an animation standpoint. Uh, like, they're both so good at mugging, and the both actors are so good at line readings that should be ridiculous coming from anybody else. And then to also put them in an old-school throwdown bending fight using our four elements. Well, I guess not air, but um, using our our elements plus our lava bending against these new mechs with legs. They're very nimble. Yeah, they're uh, they're so much better than the rolly ones with the steam power things coming out the back. Um, Which he designed too, right? (laughs) From what I I remember. I think so. Point... 
This is all Beric's fault. It is, this is all Beric's fault. It was, it was nice to see that old, I don't know, I keep wanting to say like a Star Trek, but what I yeah. mean is like a serialized, uh, a serialized entry in a larger thing where they have like, they got to get past the guard station, they got to rescue the things, and just mm-hmm. to have it classically well, be done. these are all classic World War II movie tropes, Yeah, yeah, too. yeah. Just, but to do that Risky. with the classic, like, Avatar, The Last Airbender yeah. style, with, like, the classic styles of bending classic. against this overwhelming force. Yeah, classic. That <laughs> was a all, classic storyline. All of it's classic. It's classic. classic. Okay. It uh, we didn't talk on Netflix. much about uh, Quarantine. love. I love their reunion, uh, even though it kind of, that whole, the whole meeting quickly got to bickering. But I love the fact that, you know, Korra has this connection to Asami and you can see it and you can feel it. And it's really funny when that's when Mako finally learns, oh, you weren't communicating with any of us, just with Asami. And I don't know if he'll ever really understand why, but I love that the show doesn't really have to spell that out either. Yeah. Uh, do you think this show is bold enough to just let that be and let us all assume that the Avatar and Asami are going to end up together? What? That's, I mean, can't, can't it just be friendship? Does it have it to be shipped be into romance? I just well, think, yeah. Well, uh, see, that's the thing, though, is it can't really, and, for, and nor do we want it to if, <laughs> with the narrative that we're telling, but they know exactly what they're doing. They know we're going to do it anyway, and unless they give us a reason not to, then the great ship Korasami is going to outlast the series. <laughs> it will sail well, into the horizon at like the uh, end of Return of the King. I think it's much harder to write platonic friendships, you know, that are just like people caring about each other without the whole romantic aspect. Really, there's. So, I think yeah. it really nails that when Asami and Kora meet, like because Asami's mm-hmm. reading her magazine. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you. And yeah. and then yeah, that the comment where she's like, "Oh, your I love your hair. Oh, thanks." I mean, all of that is just so sweet and and friendly. Yeah. I just love the writing in this episode, and this was my goal, Dante DiMartino writing it. Um, and actually, I thought of you, Dave, because when we were talking about book two, we talked a lot about the switch of animation studios and kind of what the downgrade felt like watching the show. And it ended up being, well, whoever's talking gets all the, the animation and everyone yeah. else is just kind of like sits with dead stares on their face. Uh, and this episode was just a, a perfect like when they're sitting around the table, everyone has a reaction. Or if you have to kind of put them in a still position, it's still informing whoever's talking. And I just thought that was it was really layered. And again, towards the end of the episode, when they're kind of hugging it out, or Mako, there's a great sequence. I, I started tearing up during this one sequence. This is why I think this is a brilliant episode. Uh, Asami says, oh, man, we just got in a big fight. It's like old times again, uh, except for the part where we're bickering. And Mako says, no, that's pretty much what our relationship is like. That's what Cora and I are like. And Cora has the sweetest smirk. Yeah. I just, yeah. I lost my mind over this reaction shot that she great. gets. It's just, it's not romantic. It's just like, this is a great feeling. I'm with my friends, I'm with my family. And just like, it brought me to tears. I loved that smile. And it's just perfect animation, silent stuff. This isn't like zany cartooning. It's real performances drawn into the, the show. It's just brilliant. Well, I mean, they did the good thing that they've learned how to do uh, with these little side character plots, which is put the two characters that are the most outsized away from our group of people and allow them to have a sort of detailed conversation. So it's like we have Prince Wu as our Bolin replacement in this reunion of four because we need somebody to you know, have the one-liners and the non-sequiturs for when things get awkward. But he's instantly kidnapped because we don't really want to see that. We want to see our three friends work as a team and do do good things as the show gets like closer to the end of uh, its run it's 
really interesting to see how they know all of their characters well enough to be able to take the clown out of every situation that you have built in, your boomies, your Prince Woos, your Bolins, and uh, switch those around while allowing the other characters to sort of play to their uh, emotional strengths. And it's just a really, it's a good sign of knowing your series and how each piece is operating. And it's, you know, gives me a whole bunch of hope for our remaining episodes. Not that I didn't have hope, but it's like, there's times in a television series where you could feel they kind of don't know where they're going. And this one really clicked into me where it's like, we know all of our characters, we know our world, we know our world's history. Let's, let's get to the end. I have this weird feeling where, like, I watch a lot of television, but maybe I don't care about the characters that much. I thought about it during this episode because I'm seeing all these people that I love getting back together, and it was a really warm, friendly feeling, and I haven't had that reaction to many shows. I don't know if you guys feel similarly about characters in television, if it ends up being so plot-driven that that's something that kind of falls apart or maybe doesn't Mm -hmm. mind very often late late into shows existences where we feel that character connection again you kind of establish them and go running in different directions i don't i don't know if you feel that way there's been a few animated shows that have done that for me uh king of the hill is probably my show wow. that i would i would go see those characters do basically anything and they never did anything that was outsized for them uh why did i refuse to watch king of the hill as a kid i, I, don't, I don't know understand. that was i don't know that's it, early. It's early Greg Daniels, so everything yeah. you like about your you know, offices and Parks and Recs is started in King of the Hill, and it's totally there in the latter I seasons. I probably had, like, Yankee <laughs> problems with it. Like, you did. Well, you know, that's, yeah. I couldn't watch something from the South. Cause I was that was what was so great something. about it, too. It really humanized <laughs> people, I think, you don't normally get to see on TV. Yeah, yeah right. and so, and so mm-hmm. the, you have TV shows can do that in ways that I really like. I have big problems sometimes investing into characters in movies that are just mm-hmm. their circumstances are too far away from me and I have to invest in them like too fast like I don't know people are probably going to hate me for this I saw Atonement this week and I was like really interesting plot <laughs> I am I never believed those two were Atonement actually a bad level. movie okay yeah. well I, I saw it with somebody who thought it was like the greatest movie yeah, ever, that's something so. you have to Moody. like drink in as a book really to really get those characters right well, so yeah, yeah it's tough to do and, that as a movie and it's yeah it's not really a movie about the characters as much mm-hmm. as it ends up being a movie about a single character but you don't really mm-hmm. figure that out until like halfway or towards the end but like something like that is much harder for me to be like oh yay these guys are back together and you know they finally got their fantasy reunion post-war whereas like Cora, it's like yeah i've been hanging out with these people for like three years i definitely want to see them get back together it's it felt for a long like a long time avenger that you mentioned just like getting enough character information to care about mm-hmm. someone out of a book versus some other mediums because i think the only time i really have this reaction is when i finished reading the dark tower stephen King. oh yes tower. yeah and yeah. that made me like weep like a baby <laughs> when they all get together and then they disperse and they get back there or whatever read the books um, and that's why that has to be like a, a, a mini series or a long tv series or something right. rather you need than to feel the length film. of that journey yeah. and you need to like really invest in all these moments <laughs> that each character experiences individually and then mm-hmm. back together you know heart the the uh, absence does make the heart grow fonder. Well, in this if we're going to talk about something similar to that that we're going to be getting first, uh, FX's Preacher, if it is anything close AMC. to the comic book. Yeah, AMC. AMC's mm-hmm. Preacher. 
if it's anything close to the comic book, is going to be reaching to something like that, where yeah. we're going to have to feel time because characters leave and come back and their revelations. You know, Game of Thrones did that really well. Like, I couldn't yes. imagine Game of Thrones being... I'm hoping filmed. Game of Thrones does that well. I think it's... I don't know if I'm there yet with that show, because now all the characters Ooh. are going away. Like, the end of this last season, they're all sailing in different directions. They're having, basically, the end of, uh, of book three of Korra. Everyone's going in separate <laughs> places, and the reunion <laughs> is in front of us, I think. I don't know what happens in those books. But. Well, we get to we get uh, flashbacks next season, which they have strayed away from. So even even Game of Thrones is feeling they're that Cora now. Yeah, they're feeling that uh, that that's <laughs> that uh, stretch narrative narrative uh, tension of the latter books needs to be kind of amped up for TV. But I think it's going to work out really well. We'll see. Uh, I, I, I wanted to kind of wrap up this conversation, I guess, by talking about the action in this episode, because that's another reason I think it's one of the best, at least one of the best of the season, maybe the series. I thought mm-hmm. all the action beats in this episode were really expertly crafted for both just the visceral, visceral pleasure of, of all the angles and all the craziness, um, but also because they were really character-driven. I think one of my favorite moments of reunion, reuniting this team avatar, is when they all get in the car, yeah, and they're, like, working together, and the camera is above them, and we get to see all the layers of Republic City, like... Part of this reunion is going back to Republic City, right? That is a character in this show, uh, and they need to be back on the streets of their hometown, kicking butt. That's part of the joy here, and I think <laughs> just like old times, that yeah. scene was amazing. I loved it, and maybe it's a throwback mm-hmm. to Captain America: The First Avenger. I don't know, but it was still uh, a thrill. They would have had to have seen Captain America: The First Avenger, wrote this possible. episode, and immediately started them writing it in order to make that. That turn, movie turn was 2011. Around. It's possible. Yeah. No, no, that was longer. Yeah, far longer ago than you may remember. No, the Marvel Cinematic Universe for Dave lives in constant. There's no timeline. It's all one. It's <laughs> there now, is no beginning or end. Yeah, Time Doctor Strange circle. lives mm-hmm. with the Infinity Gems right now. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think of the action in this episode? And maybe starting with the chorus stuff. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was great. I really liked it's, that ooh. chase too. Just because, uh, just because, uh, yeah, it's like we. What better way to like bring the characters we love together than to show them just like having an adventure together? Um, it did kind of annoy me that once again, Cora is just like kind of uh, the random bender at the beginning, like who's taking Wu, like is able to still knock her off her feet a little. And it's like, I, I, uh, I don't know. It's weird to have that balance between Cora getting stronger versus not being strong enough but to fight Kuvira yet. She's not a detective. Yet. She's not Batman, you know? She can't right. really smell out the problem. She, she detects it, but she's not she detects crafty. It. But she, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about, like, at, as soon as she detects it, the guy still is able to, like, throw her off a little. Whereas I feel like, uh, I don't know, at least by now, we, we're seeing Cora get stronger. I don't know. It felt like it, that should have been a little, uh, she should have been able to withstand that or something. I really did like the Mako and uh, uh, fight, though, because, well, that one and also the Bolin fight. That's what I mean, actually, because the robot stuff is just fantastic. And we talked a bit about this. Uh, watch Escaflone, people. It's all so good. And I keep <laughs> saying this, but the, this series clearly evokes that anime series for me. That fight is amazing. I just love that we don't see an overuse of lava bending in uh-huh. any of that. It seems just like crescendoing. He'll he'll throw mm-hmm. he'll hit the rocks and they'll fly in the air, or then he'll do the earth emerging and hit people, and then yeah. everyone else, all the other powers are swirling, and then he'll do lava to kind of keep them all back. But then it will kind of scale back down, <laughs> and you have him. See, he does have a redemptive moment. In this. <laughs> 
I like episode. that the lava bending seems like it takes a lot out of Bolin too. Like the this more advanced bending, I like that. Um, and that's I guess one of the things that makes Kavira's metal bending seem all the more impressive is that she just she is just at this level where she could do whatever she really needs to without much thought. Yeah, I would going back to the Korra action scene. I, was I the only one that was getting a Western vibe, or maybe I've just seen a lot of train heists. But yeah, like yeah, yeah. driving up the canyon wall and jumping on the train that's basically Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yes. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I really like that we finally got to do that um, in the sense that uh, both of these uh, fights in this episode really bring technology into the world of Avatar without making me hate the fact that there's technology in the world of <laughs> Avatar, which we keep forgetting is like a delicate balancing act because we've been living in this world that it seems, you know, to be making it work. But like we're we're living in Avatar: The Last Airbender powers are like at the same time as radio and magnet lav trains. So it's it's nice to see that those things aren't screwing with otherwise thrilling sequences. They're just sort of adding to it. And then especially with the uh, the mech suits, um, that their fighting style is just. Uh, sort of like big brawlers and then different stuff comes out of their arms mm-hmm. and uh it was just a really interesting um i guess we're not used to seeing the avatar world was sort of built as a way of having combat without for children so they're shooting elements at each other they're not like kicking each other in the face and they're not shooting guns um this is the closest we've gotten to like this these things just keep coming at you until they they beat you into submission yeah so i think it's it's up the ante a lot uh as equal props to whoever is in charge of the gravity for the lava which i feel is different than earth and uh water in this fight Uh, i think is what uh devinder was saying it looks like it takes some effort and it sort of like flops around it's not Mm -hmm. like he could levitate lava balls or anything like that it's viscous um, so it's just the, the pinnacles of the animation we got in this episode in terms of how, uh, combat is treated in Korra is, I got, man, I'm talking myself into liking this episode more and more. <laughs> you didn't like it? Well, wait, we, we will get back to that. But, um, I, I was going to say that Raiders is such a good comparison point, obviously mm-hmm. for the train stuff, for, but for all the action in the scene, which is bigger than the action in book one. A lot of book one was like perfect fight choreography and here feels like something different these big set pieces i mean this episode felt like a 150 million dollar blockbuster at times especially when they're on the train and i'm thinking about the action that i like and that really jazzes me is something that feels like storyboards which seems kind of um like it might pull you out of it if it feels Mm -hmm. too designed but that's why i like raiders like all the angles have been chosen and all the shots meticulously planned um and I know where I should. The geography is plotted because these things feel like individual panels, they, not not like a comic book, perhaps mm-hmm. not stagnant, but they feel like the storyboards, living storyboards, as opposed to like shaky cam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can actually see what's going on and it feels thought out for that world. You know, there have been many great uh, train set pieces and train action scenes. They actually remind me a bit of. Uh, what uh, what they did in the Wolverine, which oh, yeah. I, I don't know how you guys felt about that movie, but I, I love loved it. it. I and love I it. love that, yeah, <laughs> that particular train set piece is just like how you do a crazy, insane fight on a you know high-speed bullet train for Wolverine. Part, part of the joy of that scene is that, despite it obviously being shot against green screen, yeah, you feel yeah. like the wind. They had the best wind machines mm-hmm. on the Wolverine because that... F- bullet train feels fast and like you when when wolverine jumps up in the air with his claws and he sails backwards because of Mm -hmm. how quickly the thing is going and you get some of that in this episode i mean they're not like 
being blown around, but they're <laughs> clinging on to stay on this train, and then they have to that big jump uh, is classic yeah. western. Yeah, Dave has the right idea there. Um, but you feel the movement of the train, which is hard because it's not real. Yeah, I like that scene or that fight sequence because every time I thought things were dire, they reminded me of a power core I had. So like, <laughs> there there are people coming from both sides of the train. I'm like, oh man. They're trapped in that train car. This is it. And then she just bends open the entire roof of the train and shoots everyone up. I'm like, oh. And then they're bending the roof and like curling it up on side of cool. Avatar. And I'm like, oh, man, this is it. They're trapped. There's not getting out of this. And she just jumps off the train in, in an air ball. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. But I like that in, in terms of what I'm looking for in a fight sequence. I'm not so much a storyboard person like you might be patches as much as I am is I need to know the logic behind why you're fighting like that, mm-hmm. which is part of why... Uh, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith really bugged the crap out of me is because there's no reason for those people to fight that complex um, with lightsabers. But yeah, I don't know. Man, I was sort of like this was an okay episode, but the more I keep talking about it, the more I want to just rewatch the action. And I do need to rewatch it for sure. Yeah. It's so good. And Asami gets her moment. She does a few roundhouse kicks and blasts someone with her electric glove, and Mako gets his moment. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets a moment. It's- is this the first time we've seen like the more mature designs for Asami and Mako like in a big Fighting. fight? I feel I don't remember any other big scenes Mako from this. Mako had a moment with Prince Wu escaping mm-hmm. Kuvira supporters. Very yeah, Asami, short moment. Yeah, but I mean, this is the first time we've learned that Asami, I guess, here all of her outfits include an electric glove. <laughs> of course, because she was just like, oh, we're just, go, we're just going to go to dinner with uh, Prince Wu and my two old friends, and uh, I might as well bring this glove. You never know where. <laughs> It's a little pocket thing. It's actually it's an app on her phone. She, wearable uh, technology. She That's what it is. Her hand and yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, we'll wear that soon enough with wearables. Yeah. Yeah. Where's her Agent Carter spinoff comic book? That could happen. That would be amazing. There, I, there we, will be a will thousand write comic books <laughs> after this series is over. So we can we can feel ease there. Um, is there anything else in this episode that uh, stands out that's big and worth talking about? I guess the ending, we, we kind of discussed Kuvira mm-hmm. drilling into this tree and this ominous whatever's about to come next. I don't really know where it's all going, uh, which excites Definitely me. evil now, in case we missed that. She's I'm evil. On, David admits I, it. Yeah, she's evil now. She's, <laughs> she's the bad guy. Uh, Sorry. Oh, Prince Wu got to go with Mako's grandma. That was very sweet. Oh, oh, I was so happy about that. Like, that, that's so... Did, did anybody else feel like that was just so perfect? Yeah. Like, oh, that, that's why these characters have all been placed with each other. And that's why we spent so much time talking about Mako's mom having a picture of the queen. And, like, this is all so perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Characters what? we met last season are in Dang a location off. that we heard about from the first book. And they're all going to be together balancing it out for book four. There's it's- a lot of that in this season, including like music cues. When they go into the restaurant, it's mm-hmm. a music cue I don't think we've heard since book one when Mako and Asami went out on a fancy dinner. Uh, I love all that stuff. That seems to really be plucking from all three books and kind of yeah, it's all sorts of payoffs. I guess one thing worth mentioning, too, is during the whole car scene, uh, Mako was just kind of being a jerk, like not being helpful at all. What? Yeah, it was it was actually kind of funny because uh, he was like, "You should go this way," um, you know, Asami, and then Asami's like, "No, I actually know this better than you. Just oh, listen yeah. to me." She and then, the uh, yeah, and then Korra was doing something, and he was complaining about that too. I'm like, "Dude, just shut up! 
Just shut up. You guys just finally got back together. Let's like be helpful, be constructive. That was part of the bickering thing that bothered me. But it did feel kind of funny how Mako just felt like a, an insolent child for, <laughs> for much of the episode. That feels pretty true to me. I think we've mentioned this. I was trying to remember exactly when we talked about this, but there was something from one of the books that reminded me of like coming home from college and reuniting mm-hmm. with my high school friends and trying to slip back into those relationships and how hard it can be like you love these people but you're clearly coming with your newly designed personality like mako has been you know hanging out with prince Wu, and he's agitated and he's bringing all this life experience and asami's mm-hmm. been running this company building the roads of republic city apparently and cora's been totally out on her own so who knows she's just in her own bubble air bubble and you know, you can't just mesh these people together. Of course, they're going to bicker. Mm-hmm. Of course, they're going to think one is superior than the other because they're coming from all these different cuts of life. I don't know. But then they mm. they all beat them up together. So that's what <laughs> yeah, happens. that's how we got you over your college thing. We just yeah. went and beat some people beat up. Beat some people so up. That's... Help me. I really loved the, the the end moment of the car chase when you know they're bickering, but they catch mm-hmm. this guy. And he's driving alone. They've lost Prince Wu. <laughs> and he gives, like, the most nefarious, uh, all hail the great uniter. <laughs> and I'm like, that is... That's how not can you say that they haven't seen Captain America when it's like, hail Hydra. Yeah, it is. It is, yeah. It's brilliant. Uh, well, wh- why don't we wrap up this podcast by, whoa, whoa, Joanna Robinson is now on the call. It's a reunion. Yo. We're having Hello. a Hello. I was reunion. hiding in the laundry. Oh. Why, why didn't <laughs> any of you guys write me any letters over the past three years? <laughs> I'm, I'm very, very sad. Uh, what do you mean, Dave? Joanna sent us letters. What? What? I'm going to go well, watch my friend. She definitely sent Asami a lot of letters. <laughs> <laughs> None of the boys. None of the boys get letters. Joanna, thanks for joining us. I'm so happy you got to be here at the end when we're talking about our favorite little moments of this Me too. Episode. I mean, I presume you guys already talked about Korasami going strong, right? We did, yeah. we did. Good, yeah. good, but good. but Dave okay. thinks Dave thinks it could actually happen. Like Korasami could. Well, seal uh, the deal. I think you could. I think you could end the season and leave it in a place where, if you wanted to believe they got together, you they got together. Holy and I think hands. that people would just assume that because we're Tumblr people. They're just good friends. Calk oh, patches. I don't know anything about life. You were the you were the Bolin of our. Group. I was about to say you're the Bolin of the situation. <laughs> wow, mega diss. That is not just a diss. That is a spirit vine enhanced diss. <laughs> you know, Bolin is is one of my favorite characters. It's okay. That's true. He's huggable. Yeah, I, that's what I aspire to be. Well, Joanna, mm. as as we wrap up here, I'm curious if you have little things that come to mind that you just just start listing things about this episode. Okay. In your opinion. You know, forgive me for rehashing anything that you might have talked about, but I'm going to talk briefly about Varric's uh, stubble. And <laughs> we didn't really how- get into it, so that's good. <laughs> and how much that was working for him, how he's gone full Han Solo, how I'm really, really attracted to Varric now. Or full Robert Downey Jr. Like he's oh, yes. totally Iron yes. Manning it up. Wait, yeah. does Harry Han Solo Tony ever have a, like a, a, a five o'clock shadow? I it don't think like, so, but Harrison Ford does. Uh, yeah, you just feel like he does. Yeah. He just looks more Jones bookish. She and Boleyn had their like rumpled hair for yeah, most of the episode. Yeah, um, yeah. so Varric, everything Varric, all Varric all the time. Your romance there. You're Vote like, Varric. Yes. You're shipping yourself with Varric. Kind of a hunk to you. Uh, that's what I'm saying. He was comic relief, and all of a sudden, he's not. <laughs> Surprise. And I don't know how, what to do with all my feelings. So 
I, I feel like he's he'll become the new people. I, I knew a lot of girls who were attracted to the Fox and Robin Hood. I guess Robin Hood in the oh, uh, Disney uh, Hood. Yes, are you, obviously. Are, do you include yourself in this group? Yes. Oh, okay. I don't know why. Is it he's just dashing? He's, he's, he's nice to that. orphans yeah. and old people. That's that's late. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that you said dashing because that's precisely the word. He is dashing. He is the most Fills dashing. Out- uh, and handsome John Michael Higgins has been like has ever been right exactly mm-hmm. I, yeah like because they picked John Michael Higgins you're <laughs> like okay I, I can box this character in this certain category he's goofy he's kind of evil I get it and now that he's finding using his evil genius for good and has that stubble and he, I, Tumblr found it not me but there's this one face he sort of made when Bolin used his lava powers and Varric was like that's right my friend is very powerful it was this very anyway go look it's all over tumblr i'm not alone tumblr's with me so. <laughs> tumblr's <laughs> always with you um <laughs> uh, well why why don't we why don't we talk about some little things that we like in this episode joanna we will we will rope you back in here we'll go back to you in a second davindra is there oh. any little things uh, that you wanted to point out here i mean um as much as Faraz? Oh, not really, but it is uh, that's the Spike Spiegel voice, the Steve Bloom voice. Yeah, um, it is. It's great to minds. hear him back in the show. He's been in a couple bit roles, and he, I mean, voiced him on in the first season. Uh, but I just, I love him. And apparently, you guys said that design is an early Mako design, as is the kind of uh, less. I don't know. The the like he was the Muppet looking... version. Yeah. What, what was the uh, the evil Muppets in the Muppets movie? Yes, the Muppets. The Muppets. Yes, the Muppets. Yeah, the Muppets. <laughs> she was the Muppet version of Cora. Yeah, she, she looks really so angry. angry. Yeah, yeah. Are they gonna Are they gonna you know be around for a little bit longer? You think? <laughs> yeah, like is that end is, up joining the, in? They they're the like new the new Varric army, brothers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, good. Yeah, they'll be there. Baraz. Yeah, I mean, obviously Spike Spiegel. Like, mm-hmm. he looks so much... Now I'm wondering if Mako is supposed to be Spike Spiegel. He's not that cool. Well, he's very Clark Kent right now, like I said last time, but yeah. Dave, uh, any, Mako is? Or, or Devendra. I, I cut you off, because I was... Uh, I mean, thing. I uh, there, there are definitely a lot of little bits here. I I really enjoyed Bolin and Varric. Like, just them. Their misadventures are awesome. Yes. They'll get their comic book. Everyone gets their comic book. Dave, anything? Yay. Um, I don't think Prince Wu is annoying anymore, so it was nice to have an episode where uh, he finally worked for me as a comic relief thing all the way through. And uh, for no reason that we actually needed except to give me joy, we got like a 15-second reuniting with Naga scene, so bonus. Very extended. Yeah, well, I mean, for considering fans. considering, fans considering it's not important, yeah. yeah. I don't was... understand why they would spend that energy there when obviously we're waiting for Pabu and Bolin to be reunited. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that, that, that's That'll still, be the that's true reunion. Yeah. That's when I'm going to cry, so. <laughs> they're going to, they're gonna, like, touch noses and... <laughs> oh, so much squeaking. Oh, no. <laughs> um, Joanna, anything that uh, comes to mind? I mean, I guess I'll go back to what I said about, um, I don't know, what did Prince Wu said? He said something like, I'm in the laundry or something. What did he say when he poked his I'm head out of the... I'm in the laundry. Yeah. I'm in laundry, yeah. Uh, I thought that was great. He really I wants agree to with... date Cora. I don't think it's uh, You know, happen. who doesn't? But, uh, um, but Asami <laughs> got there first. And uh, Dave Dave is right. Wu was not annoying in this episode for the first time. Wu down, so. Wu down. Yeah. Wu <laughs> also gets the face palm. Uh, pushed out of the hug, the group hug at the end, which is yeah. an amazing frame. 
Yes. Well, and like as he's being held away, he says like, "You guys are my greatest friends," or something like that. Woo! Good job, Woo! You came full circle. Um, I loved the Woo moment in the bathroom when he gets sprayed in the face. It felt like a very <laughs> Bond beginning, or just these yes. kind of heightened World War II spy thrillers or something. He um, should have like a you know an emergency button or something, like something to alert Mako. Yeah, but a panic like, a, like a <laughs> metal alert, a panic metal button, alert yeah, something for Mako <laughs> when he falls down and can't get up. Yeah. yeah. Um I, there's a little thing that I loved in this episode when Varric and Bolin are walking through the forest, which is so detailed and wonderful. A lot mm-hmm. of the background art in this episode stood out to me. The forest, the swamp or um yeah, I guess it's just a forest area. And then the the train station they're in uh reminded me of Hugo, the like French train station, just like <laughs> full of life, bustling. But in when they're when Varric and Bolin are in this forest they do this thing, oh, uh, he's pining for Zuli, which is also very funny. Um, I, maybe their romance will be fulfilled. Maybe this will come. I, was, <laughs> I, I didn't see them getting back together because I had issues with that relation, that destructive relationship kind of right. coming to a positive end. Well, but, but he's, he's so becoming worthy. Yeah, he's becoming worthy as we watch him struggle. So I think you could, they could bring him back around. He's redeemed himself. But um, when they switch places and Bolin, Varric's going to carry Bolin, and they bullet jumps on Varric's back, and they take like baby steps, just the littlest steps, and then three steps in. That's when they get caught in the net. Lo- I just loved <laughs> that moment. Do you know who has incisors who can chew through things? <laughs> Julie. Julie. <laughs> Julie. Uh, yeah, that is pretty fantastic. And his EMP that he makes, the MacGyver moment, yeah. the Gruber moment. So I yeah. believe you're saying you're with me in that Varric is now a dream boat. Am yeah. I swooning here? <laughs> yeah. Am I all about Varric? I'm shipping yeah. myself with him. Oh. Um, well, I guess that wraps things up about reunion. There's big question marks going forward and what happens when uh, Kuvira cuts in with her chainsaws, which apparently they've invented, um, into, into, the, into the banyan tree. And we don't know what happens next. But uh, I think Remembrances happen next, Patches. Is, Remembrances. Is that what the next episode is called? Or? That's it a is. word. That's a real word. Remembrances. Yeah. Yes. It's like rural juror. <laughs> it I is. I will not be able to say that word. Remembrances. Remembrances. Um, well, that wraps things up. Why don't we tell people where they can find us on the internet? Joanna, since you just got here. <laughs> <laughs> You can find me here on time, always. Uh, you can find me on VanityFair.com, or you can follow me on Twitter, at Joe Wrote This, uh, or you can listen to me on a couple podcasts, including The Station Agents, about television, and the Thought Bubble on the Fighting in the War Room feed about comic books that I do with Dave. I listen to it. It's very nerdy. It's very entertaining. <laughs> That's the highest compliment. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Devendra? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Devendra. Uh, I podcast about movies and TV at slashfilm.com, and I write about tech at engadget.com. Dave. Uh, tweet me at DA7E. I write about Star Wars and superhero movie news at latino-review.com and forbes.com, and, of course, podcast at fightinginthewarroom.com. And here, republicstatedispatch.com, where you all are amazing. <laughs> wow. And I'm uh, Matt Patches. That I was write... for the listeners, not oh, for you. Yeah, I'm like, oh, thank you. Um, oh, I get it. Uh, I am Matt Patches. I write all over the internet. Uh, try and put everything on my Tumblr, mattpatches.com. And I'm on Twitter, at Mr. Patches. And I recap Cora at screencrush.com. Until next week, farewell. Farewell.